0: time on episode 393 of legends of shield we talk what if thor were an only child from the disney plus marvel series what if season one episode seven we talk weekly marvel news including the first ever disney plus day with an mcu special and the streaming premiere of shang chi an mcu fandom's appeal to keep the tv series as mcu canon WandaVision's Emmy performance, our first looks at Hulu's adaptation of Marvel's Hit Monkey, and your feedback.
1: I'm Chris from Play Comics, a show where we look at video games based on comic properties and how well they stick to that source material, a part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other astonishingly geeky shows at Gunnageeknetwork.com.
2: You have been granted clearance by Director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director.
0: Now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Agent Lauren. I'm Consultant Chris.
3: And I'm Producer of the Show, Director SP. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. We're a Marvel Comic Universe fan show. The show is recorded on Thursday, September 23rd, 2021. Live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast party-wide. Release the foam. (laughs) Via www.geeks.live. Come and join our live chat as we record. Gang, happy National Great American Pot Pie Day. Pot pie is pretty great.
1: I'm a fan of pie of all varieties.
3: I didn't have a pot pie today, but I had one for lunch yesterday. It was frozen, you know, took it to work, did the microwave thing, had it in the microwave for like 10 minutes, because that's what you have to do with a pot pie. And I did that because I had a meeting over lunch on the computer at my desk, so I had no other choice than to do it. But because they're like a thousand calories, I didn't realize this. Then I just yeah. didn't do that again today on National Great American Pot Pie Day.
0: There's a brand called Amy's. I don't know if they sell it where you are, but you can find it in like the health food frozen food section, at least of grocery stores near me. And they do a vegan pot pie, and it's five hundred calories, maybe, and really good. So uh, can't recommend that enough. And this was a Marine Calendars
3: pot pie. So they're so good, but so many calories. So many. How many
1: sticks of butter do you think they used in just your serving?
3: Probably three. <laughs> I'm just guessing. <laughs> yeah, all of them. That sounds about right. All of them that they had. They just dumped it in.
0: It is also bisexual visibility day. So you are seeing me at my most visible right now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If I see my shadow, it's six more weeks of fall or something. <laughs> I, you know, that's
3: not a bad. I don't know. Is that a bad thing or not? Because it's closing in on the holiday season, which you kind of want some snow. And no, in Texas is probably a bad idea, but
0: I don't know. <laughs> As we learned last year, snow in Texas is a really bad idea.
3: You and I were in Texas during a weird, was it March? Yeah, March, like nine inch snowstorm in Dallas. That was yeah interesting. That was yeah. Years ago,
0: I want to say I remember 2011, it was, whatever year it was, was the same year that the Super Bowl was in Dallas because people were freaking out and everyone all over the country was making fun of us for not having prepared for this. We don't really get snow in Texas, so therefore we panic. Now that people have died from the amount of snow that we got this past year, we are going to panic even more. So I would prefer for it to be fall. For as long as possible. The weather here is actually tolerable. You got Halloween coming up. All the leaves are changing. Some of the leaves are changing colors. I'm in Texas, so we don't really get that much. But still, it's a great time of year. Hopefully that power grid will uh, hold up this winter. It's a great time of year where you could eat pot pie. Oh, yeah, that's true. Tying it all back in. Yeah, that's why I had it yesterday. Anyway.
3: We'll get on with the rest of the show. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a fan-based podcast on the Marvel Cinematic and Comic Book Universes.
0: Because of party fouls.
1: If you'd like to talk to us about party fouls, check out the website at legendsofshield.com.
0: If you'd like to leave us a voicemail about any epic party fouls that you have seen or made, you can call us at 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844-843-2871.
1: If you need to throw somebody else in party jail for their party fouls, head on over to Facebook and look for the Legends of Shield podcast.
0: You can tweet us gifts of party fouls on Twitter at Legends of Shield. If you want to relive
1: all those great party fouls from years past, go on over to YouTube.com/slash/gunna geek.
0: If you would like to talk about how Howard the Duck is a literal party foul, ha. Huh? You can hop on our Discord server at gunnegeekcom slash discord.
1: And don't forget that Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the
3: Gunnegeek.com network, which today, so far at least, has had zero party fouls. The day is still young, and we'll see what happens. By the way, talking about the gunnageek.com network, Chris, you are a guest still on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Thank you very much for joining us, but you are also on the gunnageek.com network.
1: Yes, I am. And I have a show called Play Comics, which I jokingly say is the worst show on the network because everybody else is so good and somebody has to be the worst. So I will gladly take that mantle.
3: I don't know. I'm pretty sure I had the worst show on the network at one point in time, but it doesn't matter. They're all good shows, including yours. And you had a nice one drop this week.
1: Well, see, I might have talked to Peter Milligan about Human Remains and I definitely got to ask him how many bodies he was personally responsible for while writing this book.
0: That's like three different things that are relevant to my interests right there.
1: You are going to be all over this book when it comes
0: out. And all over the podcast. <laughs> Possibly with the book. I don't. I don't know.
1: The only question is going to be which cover you want to get.
3: <laughs> well aside from that, thank you for joining us, Chris. We appreciate you joining us in our extra seat for the What If series and uh, possibly the shang review when that eventually comes out on Disney+, Plus, which we'll talk about later. And talking about that, let's get talking about the What If episode. Woo-hoo. What If Thor were an only Child premiered on Disney Plus Wednesday, September 22nd, 2021. It was the seventh episode of the first season of What If? The IMD description reads, Thor, who never learned to be a good hero, throws an out of control intergalactic kegger. I, I mean, intergalactic party on Earth. Lauren, who directed the episode?
0: The episode was directed by Brian Andrews, who has three directing credits starting in 1999, including men in black the series huh yeah okay also five of jackie chan adventures seven of what if he's also a storyboard artist with 41 credits and a writer with nine credits
3: i miss rip torn so yeah <laughs> intergalactic kegger uh, men in black reference right there for those that didn't get it the story editor for this show for this episode is matthew chauncey He's the story editor for the entire first series. He has two writing credits starting in 2018, including 16 episodes of Three Below Tales of Arcadia and 9 episodes of What If as a story editor and story editor for this episode, but he's written 4 of the episodes so far.
1: Taking on a ton of roles this time, you have the head writer and episode writer and showrunner AC Bradley, who has one producing credit starting in 2021. I wonder what that could be, but also five writing credits, 28 episodes of Troll Hunters, Tales of Arcadia, 38 episodes of Three Below, Tales of Arcadia, nine episodes of What If, and of course, one episode of Arrow.
3: Which was the Birds of Prey episode in 2014, which actually, that was a really good episode. So I finally figured out which episode that she wrote, which... I should have remembered, but it's been a long time since 2014. By the way, I did a podcast on the television show Arrow called Starling Tribune, and Birds of Prey was a pretty cool episode. All right, let's talk about this episode, though. This what if episode Thor were an only child. Which, uh, technically, he kind of is and isn't because his sister, uh, she was never brought up in here. So I don't know what happened with that.
0: <laughs> we're just going to sneak past that.
3: All right. Let's talk about our overall impressions of the episode before we get any further. Lauren, what did you think when you watched it?
0: Okay, so you remember how I said last time that I was super bummed out by the episode? Yes. It was the complete opposite with this. I was not in a great place when I put it on, and I was dying laughing by the end of it. It was fun. Everybody was just on their A-game. At first, when I saw previews, I was like, this character model looks nothing like Thor. But somebody pointed out like, hey, look at him via, look at Chris Hemsworth via Saddle Club. And it's like, oh, it does look like that era of, okay. It was an absolute blast.
3: I dug it so much. I laughed out loud when I watched it. And talking about Thor's looks, I love it when he's talking to the scrolls. and you do with me, and you do me, and you do me, and he's like, you all get me, it's great. So that was just fun. I was like, what is going on? And then I backed it up, and I was like, oh, I get it now. It was late at night. It was, forgive me. Chris, what was your original thoughts here?
1: I think this might be the best episode so far. This is the one that I think fits into the timing the best. It doesn't feel like a condensed movie or that they were just trying to stretch things out and fill it in. Honestly, I think this one hit the nail right on the head.
3: Best episode so far. Okay, well, high praise from Chris. So let's talk about the overall voice acting for the episode. It kind of ties into our overall thoughts of the episode, but we've been running down the voice acting because it's so integral to this and it's so different from the rest of the MCU. That's why we've spent, been spending a lot of time on it in the previous six episodes. But what was your overall thoughts of the voice acting, Lauren?
0: Absolutely phenomenal. Everybody who came back for the roles that they originated was pretty on the mark like i was really happy and really again really happy the people that they brought in to do things like carol danvers or frigga or drax you know they're all professional voice actors so yeah you think they're going to be good and they were but i think the real stars of this were hemsworth natalie portman and um kat dennings
3: We'll talk about Darcy in a second. Chris, what do you think?
1: (laughs) At first, I was thinking, okay, you know, Colby Smulders as Agent Hill really sounds really stilted, really everything that you wouldn't want that we were complaining about with Sebastian Stan earlier. And then the more I thought about it, she's kind of taking over for Fury. So I don't think that's a voice actor problem. I think that was just me not realizing what she was doing with the character.
3: I watched it for the first time and I was going through it, and I was just enthralled by the story, really. And it took me a second to think, oh, well, we got to talk about the voice acting. So I started to think about the voice acting. And it was like, yeah, this is actually all fits. And then Colby Smothers, she really had her point at the end when just she just said, we're done here. I mean, that line right there was definitely Agent Hill. So we'll get into it in a second. The cast starts with Jeffrey Wright as the Watcher. Chris, we're just going to call this segment The Watcher Watch. How did you like Jeffrey's performance in here?
1: I really loved how this one went. You had your classic Watcher narration in there. And then my favorite part of this at the end, though, was, okay, here's your classic Watcher outro, and then, oh, crap, what is going on
0: now? (laughs) I saw that, and the first thing I thought of was you. Let's take a a
3: half a step back. How would you rate his transparency? Are we talking 70%, 80%, 85%? Where are we on the transparency? I would say somewhere between 75 and 80. Okay. I was thinking 80 or 85.
0: I was thinking about 80. Okay. You've been actually, I think, spot on with your observation that he's becoming slightly more visible each episode.
3: Yeah, and I think Jeffrey Wright is doing an amazing job voicing This whole thing. He probably sat down in one take one or two days to do all his lines. I'm thinking,
0: Okay, there was an interview. I think we actually talked about the interview several episodes ago. We did. Yeah. Where he recorded some of it in his closet during and then some of it on the road in a hotel room. My guess is the hotel room part might have been pickups.
3: Yeah. Who knows? Or maybe early on and then they transition to a full studio. They're like, we need a full studio for this or something.
0: I don't think they used a studio for him. I think it was all home. I think that's what he said. Okay.
3: Well, Marvel, I have a home studio and I am ready to do any additional voices voiceover that you need for any future Marvel related property, whether it be animated or live action. I'm your guy. Same. Call
1: me. And if you need us to sound like we're nice and airy and kind of ethereal you can put me in a big old hotel room and I'll record in there.
0: Exactly. More
3: versatile. Yeah. Okay. So let's continue on with the voiceover cast for the episode. The next one we're going to talk about is Chris Hemsworth Thor himself. You might know him from Star Trek, Snow White and the Huntsman, Red Dawn, the 2012 version, Star Trek into darkness, Ghostbusters, the 2016 version and 12 strong. I think he pulled it off. Great. I think he's, Not necessarily made for voiceover because he's got the physique, but he pulled it off.
0: Okay, so Chris Hemsworth actually is an amazing comedic actor. Go back and watch the 2016 Ghostbusters. Watch him on SNL. Watch him in a role where he's allowed to be funny. And it's like, okay, this is what I like what they're doing with Thor. And I had to check IMDb. I was like, oh, he did a really good job. Let's see. What other voice work he's done. He's only done one other voiceover role, and it was as his Ghostbusters character in the VR tie in game. So well done, Chris.
1: I'm going to pretend that praise was for me. Yeah. Because I need it today. Totally. But he was all over this. And I mean, how often do you get to sit there and, okay, here's this character I've been playing for 10 years, and then now I can just super ham it up and party all over the place?
3: It was, we'll talk about the party in a second. Let's get through the rest of the cast here. Natalie Portman, you might recognize her from a very early work that she did, Leon the Professional. She was in Mars Attacks. She was in a little indie film called Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. I think, actually, this is my girl's favorite performance of her, Where the Heart Is, which is known in our family as the Walmart baby movie. Yeah. Zoolander, Closer, a couple of other independent films called Star Wars Episode 2 and Episode 3, V for Vendetta, Black Swan, No Strings Attached, and Jackie. She came in and reprised her role as Jane Foster. And I just really loved how seriously she
1: was taking everything at the beginning. Like, I will be science. I will be this. I am getting kind of offended at Thor because I think he's implying that I am not a good scientist. And then just completely falls head over heels for Thor, but keeps her I'm a genius aspect to everything.
3: Don't forget her magic
1: tattoo. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> um, I'm kind of maybe tempted to get one. I know. But I, I need to see how much room I'm going to have left on my arm. Yeah. It's really
0: cute. This is another one where I was really impressed by her work. I've been looking, trying to figure out if she's done other voice work before. And then I got distracted, but she brought it. She absolutely brought it. And I saw somebody on Twitter being like, "Okay, this is the most chemistry that these two characters have ever had in either of the Thor movies where they're together. And I have to agree. And it's like, oh, and you can totally buy the, you know, it's kind of that that movie trope with the nerd falling for the jock. but. Yeah, it's Thor is at his absolute most himbo here, and I'm into it, and obviously so is Jane. Whole planet
3: was. Thor was an infectious partier. Moving on, and Lauren, I want you to pay attention because I have changed this since the last time we talked about it. Tom (laughs) Hiddleston came in. You might know him from such works as War Horse, Midnight in Paris, The Deep Blue Sea, and Crimson Peak. Tom Thank Hiddleston you. replies to his role as Loki.
0: Once again, bringing it just like he did last time he was in one of these episodes. But again, he's somebody who's actually really, really funny. And you get to see that on blast here. If you want a good time, go look up these videos that he did with MTV when I think it was Avengers that was coming out where he kept running around pranking this poor guy who worked for MTV. And yeah, the guy is funny. He's fantastic at drama. He brings the pathos as Loki, but come on, we have Jotun Loki here being hilarious.
3: I loved the scene where he's talking to Jane Foster on the little (laughs) itty bitty cell phone, whatever. And he drops it. He's like, oops, just like in the Loki series, right? When he destroys the tech. So that was pretty good.
1: And I really love the scene right at the beginning when he and Thor run into each other. And I kind of have to suspend a little bit of disbelief that everybody at the party didn't know what was going on. Because, I mean, if they're good friends like that, I would think that some people would know what was going on. But just the way he was sitting there able to sound like he is about to punch Thor in the face. And then they're all bro-loving each other. (laughs)
3: I equated that moment, by the way, to a big metropolitan area and a bunch of high schoolers getting together to party. Right. So they're all going to different schools and they might not know that these two possibly from different schools, maybe the same school. It doesn't matter. were actually friends. So they they're coming up to each other and you're thinking, whoa. And then, boom, they're friends and everybody's like,
0: yeah, party. That's exactly what I was thinking of. It's, you know, for the sake of realism. Yeah, probably not. But. If you look at this whole episode as an extended high school or college movie, it's pretty much that exact dynamic. I also love that they get along way better than they ever have at any point in any of the other media, because, okay, so I am not an only child. I am the oldest child. I have a younger sibling, and we used to get along great when we were kids, and then puberty happened and we were all angsty in all different directions and we didn't really start getting along again until we were living in completely different parts of the state i feel like this is one of those relationships where familiarity absolutely breeds contempt and at least on the part of loki but it's these two who they don't see each other that often so they don't make each other sick And it's just delightful. He does skip out from the cleaning
3: parts of the party. He's like, "Ah, I'm out of here. I'm not sticking around. So there is that.
0: (laughs) Well, that's part of just being a little brother.
3: Well, yeah. Brother from another mother.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love so much that so much of Loki's character growth that we've seen both in the sacred timeline and the show is tied up with. His loss of his mother, who we found out was the one who taught him magic, et cetera, et cetera. So here he doesn't have that tie in. And it's one of those things that's a little bit sad, but it's also just really hilarious.
3: Another actor that was hilarious in this is Kat Dennings. You might know her from such works as the 40-year-old virgin ER the series. Hmm. I didn't know she was in there. I think I stopped watching at that point in time. And, of course, Two Broke Girls, a long-running comedy series. I knew her from that. She reprised her role as Darcy. And I'm very glad that the MCU has decided to spend more time with Darcy because she needs more time. She is hilarious. She's everything that the fandom wants in a character that is not a superpower hero on screen. And she brought it. I really loved her performance.
0: I love the actress. I love the character. A little bit, okay, so she married an alien duck. A little bit questionable, but hey, if it was good enough for Leia Thompson, good enough for Darcy, I guess. Again, she's super funny this episode without being dumbed down. Like, she has that line later on. I forget what it is exactly, but she guesses exactly what is happening, what needs to happen. And then they're like, you're a genius. And she's like, yeah, I am. Wait, what?
1: She was actually my favorite character in this episode. I mean, it was close because everybody pretty much was good, but I just really love the person who knows exactly how seriously to take this and can get things done with it, but is going to make sure that they're having fun doing it.
3: I love (laughs) when she's going through all the lines of what Thor looks like, right? She says, and I can keep going, but she (laughs) didn't. and That's when she hooked up with Howard and that was the end of that. It was great. We'll talk a little bit more about it later. So Samuel L. Jackson came back for like a line. (laughs) And so he came back. You might know him from such works as Jungle Fever, Pulp Fiction, Coming to America, Jurassic Park, Die Hard with a Vengeance, A Time to Kill, Long Kiss Goodnight, Eve's Bayou, The Star Wars Episode 1, 2, and 3, The Incredibles, Wear My Super Suit, Coach Carter, Snakes on a Plane, Snakes on a MF Plane. Star Wars, The Clone Wars, mother and child and Django on chain. He plays Nick Fury. And at this moment, I know other people have played Nick Fury. I know other people in the future are going to play Nick Fury, but he is Nick Fury.
0: Yeah, it's I know he was only here for like a line, but it was still a really fun scene. We got to see him basically try and shut the party down and then Thor just Yeeted him into the sun like Team Rocket and uh, didn't end well for him. He's still in a coma. He's still alive, but, you know, still out. Uh, It's generally not a good idea to hit people into a whole different country. No, this was uh,
3: uh, Korg. He basically running into the fountain and he inadvertently shouldered Fury. That's it. Knocked him into next week, so to speak.
1: Well, let's also kind of say yay for quarantine on this one, because you've already got Samuel L. Jackson recording lines. Like, What's one more line when you're already in your house, probably recording without pants on, because nobody can see you anyway?
3: In truth, he's in the middle of filming two properties right now, The Marvels and Secret Invasion. All right, let's talk about another (laughs) huge stalwart in film, Jeff Goldblum, who... You might know from The Invasion of the Body Snatchers, The Right Stuff, a very young Jeff Goldblum was in that, The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension, Transylvania, 65,000, The Fly, Earth Girls Are Easy, Captain Planet and the Planeteers, some voice work there, Jurassic Park, Nine Months, Independence Day, The Lost World, Jurassic Park, The Grand Budapest Hotel, some awards came out of that, Cats and Dogs, and Independence Day, resurgence he reprised
0: his role as the grandmaster <laughs> i just saw him this past weekend in this 80s movie from way early in his career like right around or before buckaroo Banzai*. it's this romantic comedy called vibes with him and cindy lopper it's a trip but yeah seeing him again as grandmaster again he had like two three lines but He stole his scenes, especially in the end when he's scooting away from the party. I died. It was great.
1: Oh, hi. I know I was here at your party, but this is your problem. I don't care if your mother is showing up. (laughs) I loved just the fact that he can go and take these little lines like that and just be the Jeff Goldblum we all love, but also perfectly fit in with the character. It's amazing.
0: I'm pretty sure that the Grandmaster basically just is Jeff Goldblum with a melt stick. I'm not sure Jeff Goldblum has a melt stick in real life.
3: I think my party line from now on is going to be about foam. Release the foam. It's <laughs> so, so cool. So cool. Uh, it takes me back to the early 2000s. And unfortunately, Jason, who is a guest host on this show, he's not here this week. And he had some stuff going on, so I didn't even ask him to be on. But he is head over heels for Jeff Goldblum. He is a man crush the size of Texas for Jeff. So I just have to say that right now. Jason, if you're listening to this, this is for you. <laughs> Moving on, we already talked about her a little bit, but let's talk about her a little bit more in depth. Colby Smolders, who you might know from a little series that had a couple of seasons called How I Met Your Mother. The Lego Movie, she played Wonder Woman, so she does have voiceover talent there. Jack Reacher, Never Go Back, A Series of Unfortunate Events, Stumptown, which is unfortunately canceled, and American Crime Story. She reprised Hmm. her role as Maria Hill.
1: Like I was saying before, at first, I thought her performance here was kind of just wooden. And then I realized she's probably doing that on purpose because she's trying to make people not freak out that Nick Fury is just indisposed. And I think that really came in later when she started sounding more like the Agent Hill we know from the movies.
3: If you go back to the Avengers movie and you see her introduction and that whole intro space where the research facility is being exploded and whatever, she kind of has the same... Acting ability right there, but she's also has action entwined with it. So it's the same facial expressions, voice, but there's action in the Avengers. and there wasn't really action here. She's playing the fury here,
0: yeah again, she she came as Maria Hill. You kind of didn't really start to see, like you said, she was kind of very one note, very stoic. But then you started to see the cracks as the episode goes on. And that's when it hit for me. One of her key agents
3: was Frank Grillo, who you might remember from Minority Report, Blind Justice TV series, Prison Break TV series, Zero Dark Thirty and the Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. He reprised his role as Brock Rumlow and Brock wants to really blow things up.
0: (laughs) So canon then.
3: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, we're good there.
0: <laughs> Taiko Waititi reprised his role as Korg. You might remember him from movies such as The Green Lantern, The Mandalorian, Suicide, The Suicide Squad, excuse me. And he shows up here both as Korg and as himself. As himself, he doesn't have lines, but he shows up in one scene, and I had to rewind, and I'm like, okay, is this like the Marvel directors or something? The only one that I really was able to be positive on was Taika because it was very definitely him wearing his pineapple shirt. And I'm just so happy anytime I get to see him in a thing. Talking about
3: cameos, I have been resident of not looking for Stan Lee and all these. I know you talked about the zombies in the zombie episode. I think I
0: saw him in this. Did you guys see Stan Lee in this? I'm going to have to go back and look, and that's going to be such a hardship. I know. Yeah. I
1: definitely didn't notice him, but I wasn't looking for him at all either.
3: So do you guys remember the scene where Captain Marvel and Thor were flying over the tropical island, which I took to be Tahiti? You guys remember that scene? Yeah. And there's somebody in a beach chair with an umbrella and an umbrella drink. That face looked strikingly like Stanley. It's not a head-on face, but it's from the side. I think that was supposed to be Stanley. I could be wrong. So please correct me, listener, if you know that you saw Stanley somewhere else.
0: It wouldn't surprise me. This seems like an episode where the animators would have... Okay, so if you talk to comic artists, animators, stuff like that, people love putting in little Easter eggs, drawing their friends in stuff like that. This is, if you're going to do that in any episode other than the zombies episode, it's going to be the party episode. So I'm not surprised if Stanley showed up or any of the other writers, directors, just anyone. So Chris, what did you think about the Korg performance?
1: Oh, I loved it. I mean, I love the character anyway. I I just love how pure he is. (laughs) But the thing for me that really hit me was when they're sitting there over the Sydney Opera House in Australia as they go around, and I'm like, why aren't they in New Zealand? I know they don't have anything (laughs) iconically New Zealand that they could have shown, but I want New Zealand.
0: Right. I was like, exactly. It's like, okay, so New Zealand doesn't have anything as iconic as the Sydney Opera House, but we all knew in our hearts that because Korg was there, it was totally supposed to be New Zealand, right? Like. Oh, definitely. Yeah.
3: So here's the deal. When Thor ramps up his hammer, right? And he flies over and he's going to slide down the peaks of the opera house. And then Captain Marvel comes and (laughs) whisks him away, right? Then the shot goes back to the bridge where they're all standing. And you can clearly see Korg right in the middle. And I think I could be wrong, but I think he has a pacifier in his mouth. Mm -hmm. He's got something.
0: It would not surprise me. Does anybody else remember late 90s, early 2000s raves?
3: Yeah. So Korg is looking at this and then the only movement in that <laughs> scene is Korg letting go of the pacifier and it just falls down after the, the event. So that is my epic Korg moment besides the Nick Fury hit earlier on. Karen Gillan, she reprised her role as Nebula here, and Mama needs a new eye, so let's play some craps. You might know her from Doctor Who. I said before that she had 36 episodes, but I didn't know how many years that was over. That was over five years, so that's a long time with Doctor Who. She was also in both Jumanji movies lately. She was in Selfie, of course. Chris, you know her there, and as you said before... Lauren, she was in Gunpowder Milkshake on Netflix.
0: I love that movie. I don't care who knows it. It's a fantastic movie, and I love everyone in it. And I love Karen Gillan, and I love Nebula. And she was a lot of, again, she only had like two lines here. Gambling and saying that her dad was calling so she couldn't help clean up Earth.
1: I mean, honestly, the only thing better than seeing Karen Gillan in a Marvel movie is getting to hear Karen Gillan go full Scottish accent
0: agreed
3: yeah apparently the first script of guardians of the galaxy three was out and there were a lot of tears shed by the actors for that she was one of them on that so we'll see what happens with the character in the future moving on jamie alexander she got to reprise her role again as lady sif didn't have a lot of screen time but she was partying with the warriors three and uh, she is from blind spot the tv series Uh, Seth Green, I think this is the most dialogue he's had in a Marvel-related project.
0: I think he might have had slightly more in the Star-Lord episode.
3: Yeah, maybe. But this was a lot. And, well, let's face it. He gets married to Darcy. What a catch. Right. Uh, You might know him from Austin Powers' International Man of Mystery. Can't Hardly Wait. Austin Powers' The Spy Who Shagged Me. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Austin Powers' and Goldmember. The Italian Job, which I still have to watch. I mentioned that before. I do have plans to do that this weekend. Robot Chicken, which is basically his creation there. Star Wars, The Clone Wars. He voices Mass Effect, which most people that I know know him from. And Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Chris, what would you think of the Seth Green as
1: Howard? I don't know much about the Howard the Duck character. But I love the way Seth Green has been playing it. everything.
0: It's pretty spot on to the comics in my opinion i think he's a fantastic choice as howard i love whenever he shows up you know howard the duck was the first marvel movie it's super infamous for being terrible i like it but then again i like terrible movies he shows up in this episode he shows up in the star lord episode they're the two most fun episodes of the series howard fits in perfectly Can't argue with that.
3: Let's talk a little bit about Carol Danvers and Captain Marvel. Alexandra Daniels, who is a relatively newcomer. We talked about her before. The only thing of note that she's been in is mothers and daughters. But I think, her first of all, the animators did tremendous with her facial expressions, which is nothing with Miss Daniels. But she did a really good job of being Captain Marvel and just alternating between pissed off I'm going to get you and okay, well sneaky, I guess at the end it was, I watched it the second time going, Ooh, I get why Thor is so unenthused at this point, but I thought it was pretty good. I don't know. Lauren, what do you think about our captain Marvel?
0: So I don't think she sounds overly much like Brie Larson, but that's fine. She brought the spirit to the performance and She brought this whole Jennifer Grey and Ferris Bueller's day off energy. Originally, in the notes I had written, Carol Danvers is the mom friend, but no, Marie Hill is the mom friend in this episode. She is very definitely the one who just wants the shenanigans to stop.
1: See, you go Ferris Bueller and I go Phineas and Ferb, (laughs) where she is Candace. I don't know if you guys are hip enough to know Phineas
0: and Ferb. I know of it. I have not seen it.
1: You should watch it. It's also on Disney Plus.
0: Yeah, I've heard. Like, I know Perry the Platypus is a lot of fun. Dr. Doofenshmirtz is fun. And the show's about them, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's um, Perry and Dr. Doofenshmirtz. And then there's also uh, Phineas and Ferb and their friends just making hijinks happen and then having it all magically get cleaned up before their parents get home.
0: Yeah, I know there was an Avengers crossover.
1: There was, and it is really good.
0: So we had a
3: trio of actors that came in and did some minor parts. I guess can't call one of them minor, but you have Rachel house with Topaz. You had Josette easels, eels, eels as Frigga. So she obviously had a little bit more than one line and David Chen as Hogan. I think they did just fine. I wasn't taken out of anything and, You know, where the Frigga character is in the MCU right now, I can totally see why they went with a different actor.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure Rene Russo really does much voiceover. Jennifer Eels, again, didn't sound overly much like Rene Russo, but had that whole combination of, you know, a queen and just really annoyed mom who was off with her friends drinking wine And gets called back because her kid's making a mess. It's really relatable, I say, as somebody with no kids. Then they're done that. (laughs) Not drinking wine with the
3: other moms. But, yeah, I've been called back because kids. Yeah. Okay. uh, Moving on. Fred Tadascore. Tadascore. Tadascore.
0: It took me years to figure out how to pronounce it, too. So...
3: Anyway, I wanted to say his name because there's a couple of things I want to say. First of all, the dude is a legend. We went over it before he had 826 acting credits. The last time we talked about him just a few weeks ago, he has 832 acting credits just a few weeks later. So his credits keep on acting up and building up and building up and building up tons of video game stuff. You mentioned Overwatch before. I want to mention that he got a behind the voice actor award for the best vocal ensemble in a video game for his performance in overwatch. Do you want to say any particular thing that he's been involved in? Cause it's been a ton.
0: Ooh, okay. Well, he was Darth Vader in the original version of the star tours, ride At Disney world back in 1987, he was in the 2012 thundercats, which I love. He's in Archer, he's in Star Wars Rebels, he's in... Basically, if there's kind of a low, grunty voice, it's either going to be him or Steve Bloom, although he tends to do more of the monster voices. One thing that I really loved, I haven't seen it in ages, but I really loved when it came out. Do you remember that movie Nine? It's like these little sack dolls in a post-apocalyptic world. Well, anyway, he's like the big muscle. Well, not really muscle, they're stuffed dolls, but he's the big guy in that. I just really love him in pretty much everything he's in, which is a lot. One recent thing: Lower Decks, Star Trek Lower mm-hmm. Decks. He's uh, Shax. And again, every time I hear him, I just think Soldier 76. But I just recently got caught up on that for this season. And again, he's fantastic.
3: One of the changes in his IMDb filmography was the fact that Lower Decks, so Lower Decks was down in the filmography, but because the episodes are more current, of course, it moves up. So that was one of the ones that moved up to the top. And uh, I just noticed the difference there. Chris, is there anything in here that catches your eye from his filmography?
1: For me, it would probably be Powerpuff Girls and the newer Voltron that came out pretty recently. Oh, yes. They're both just such wonderful shows in their own special ways.
3: But he's spending so much that mm-hmm. odds are you have heard Fred's voice.
0: Yeah. Just watch to the end of like any Marvel movie, really. Look for when it goes like additional voice actors. I guarantee you he's going to be in there.
3: Another burgeoning. Legend is Max Middleman. He played Fandrel and he's, for the most part, a voice actor. He has an award for the Persona 5 video game as the Behind the Voice Actor Award for Best Male Lead Vocal Performance in a Video Game. So that's a big award for him to get there. You might have heard him in Sailor Moon. I put that in there for you. Mobile Suit Gundams. Voltron Legendary Defender, Blockbuster TV series, Frozen to The Seven Deadly Sins, and Thundercats War, which is the more recent Thundercats, not the 2012 that Lauren was talking about before, but he's got over 200 credits, and it is starting to stack up pretty fast.
0: Yeah, he's fantastic as Ryuji in Persona 5, so I was happy to see him here, even if it was just for a couple of lines. Another
3: legend that I have to talk about here is Clancy Brown. You have heard or seen Clancy Brown. Let me just run through his filmography here that's of note. The Avengers of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension. If you haven't seen that movie, Chris, have you seen that movie? I haven't seen that one. I think it's older than me. It is. It's 84, I want to say. Something like.
0: It's so fun, though.
3: Just like Big Trouble in Little China, this is something that You will thank yourself for watching it and just go into it like fun. It's not going to be serious. It's going to be totally campy.
0: Yeah. With a name like that, how can it not be? So let me sell you on it. Jeff Goldblum in a giant cowboy costume.
1: I mean, you had me sold on Jeff Goldblum is in it in the first place. Plus, I just like really terrible and really campy things. So it's always been on the radar. I just haven't gotten around to it.
0: Yeah. Peter Weller is in it. And... Oh, geez, I'm blanking out on Jeffrey Jones, but don't hold that against it. It's a cross between a music thing and a sci-fi
3: thing and an adventure thing. A little bit of Indiana Jones in there. It's just it's fun. Highlander. He was in the Shawshank Redemption Earth to the TV series, which I actually wish would have (laughs) gone on longer. Mighty Ducks, the animated series. So right there.
0: (laughs) Fred Tatasciore was in that too.
3: Right. He has voiceover credits for very early on in his career. Starship Troopers. You know him from that. If you've seen it, he was in ER, the TV series. He's in Zorro, the TV series, men in black, the series, TV series. That is another voice acting credit. Superman, the animated series, another superhero voice credit. Voltron, the third dimension Star Trek enterprise he's in one episode of that. Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, he was the Lex Luthor voice for all of those Justice League series, Avatar, The Last Airbender, Green Lantern, <laughs> Thundercats, the 2012 series that we were talking about, Star Wars, The Clone Wars, he played a very famous character in that. Yes, I love his character in that. I just saw that recently and I'm like, oh, that is Clancy Brown, that is oh, that's yeah. perfect casting, that is so oh. good. <laughs> He's,
0: um... He's Mr. Krabs in Spongebob Squarepants also. <laughs> I did not know that. He's all these, like, he's the Kurgan, he's Surtur, he's just all, he's Savage Press, and he's Mr. Krabs. I love it. Clancy Brown is a treasure. He's, okay, there was a series on HBO in the mid-2000s called Carnival, and he was the big antagonist in that. Oh, he's amazing in it. It's so good. Just watch it. It's another thing that ended like on a cliffhanger, but it's so good.
3: The last in-person credit that I have on his list is the Flash TV series. I actually saw him on that because I was still watching the Flash at the time. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the TV series, Star Wars Rebels, Troll Hunters, Tales of Arcadia, and the Venture Brothers. Chris? You have to have seen Clancy Brown in something. Like most of the things on here? Yeah, no. Oh, Clancy yes. Brown is one where I'm covered. Don't worry about that. <laughs> okay. Well, I I never know with you, so I just want to make sure. I admit it. I have a really weird
1: catalog of what I've actually seen.
3: Right. An incredible voiceover cast for this episode and they really had fun doing it. You know, in retrospect, You said this was your favorite episode, Chris. I think I'm right there with you, just talking about the voiceover cast right right there. Let's talk about the episode a little bit, because we haven't even gotten to the story, right?
0: We sort of touched on it.
3: We have the party prince coming to Midgard, because Odin is entering Uh. into his Odin sleep, and he decides... Okay, so this is a little plot issue that I have. Heimdall doesn't pay attention to Midgard?
0: Are we really worth paying attention to, though? Doesn't he see all, though? Yeah, but the thing is, like, Earth at this point is not going into space. Like, we're going into space, but it's the equivalent of, like, we're going out on the front porch. We aren't out in the neighborhood yet. So, therefore, like, are we really worth paying attention to, cosmically speaking?
3: I don't know. You got Carol Danvers out there.
0: Okay, good point. But she's not on Earth. Mm true <laughs> she gets <laughs> called in by the beeper hey i think my dad had one of those <laughs> he's a pediatrist
3: and, and, and oh did i miss it what's going on is it going on did i love I it? it's just
0: this, they bring out because they're like okay we're in this possible planet ending emergency let's bring out the big thing and it's this beeper in a case it's just a beeper I mean, we know what it is, but it's just, it's so wonderfully anticlimactic. I did not
3: know what it is when they were bringing it out because.
0: Like they make you think it's a weapon.
3: Yeah, Mm -hmm. right. Well, technically it is, but yeah. Mm. And she did say, look, I can't use my whole powers because I will destroy the planet. (laughs) Chris, I love that Thor can spell his own name. (laughs) See, Thor spells about as well as I do. (laughs) <laughs> on most things i very much love
1: spellcheck and thor knows all the right letters there's only like 24 different combinations
0: yeah
3: spellcheck is magic to him we find out so okay i get it <laughs> but yeah that as guardian school is really working out for him and he's supposed to be studying too so
0: i love that it, again it's a high school house party movie It's, oh, no, we're totally going over to a friend's house to study. And then you just, it's the pardon, can't hardly wait. When they're like, oh, that must be so-and-so with the brie. And you open the door and everyone pours in. It's like that. Except Thor wasn't actually invited to begin with. It's every party trope taken up to Eleven because it's not, oh, we're not damaging family pictures or vases. We're damaging Stonehenge. We're... You know, defacing Mount Rushmore.
3: We're cutting off power to the entire planet. (laughs) We're cutting the arm off the Statue of Liberty. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that happens.
0: Hitting on the Statue of Liberty was amazing. (laughs) He had to have been drunk to do that. I'm just imagining. Yeah.
1: (laughs) To be fair, defacing Mount Rushmore like that is probably one of the least destructive things that they did.
0: Yeah, I mean, that was ice. So,
3: yeah, all they had to do was melt it. It was no big deal there. But then making the giant slingshot
0: that was, yes, (laughs) out of the St. Louis Arch. (laughs) I love that we find out. So, the whole thing it starts out, you know, Jane Foster is out there in New Mexico, same as the beginning of the movie, and talking about there was this like star that went supernova, like out of nowhere. There was no warning. And we find out later it's because Thor partied it to death. It's wonderful. It's okay. The planet
3: was kind of going away and Gary the goat made it off. Okay. Eventually. (laughs) (laughs) I named Uh, him Gary. I loved this episode. Oh, yeah. It makes me pine for the warriors three. And of course they're all gone right now in the MCU, but maybe we'll get them back in the multiverse. I don't know.
0: Yeah, let's hope so. That was a criminal waste of those actors. Tadanobu Asano is in something coming up that I want to see. I forget what right now, but I got mad all over again last night remembering how the Thor movies did him dirty.
3: The planet wide Captain Marvel Thor fight. It was epic. I mean, it's the if you're talking about what if, you know, which superhero is going to be more powerful than another superhero? We kind of see one of those fights in the zombie episode between the red witch the scarlet witch and with hulk but here we get to see danvers versus thor and we find out that they're they might be pretty much evenly matched because carol is pulling her punches because she doesn't want to explode the planet but it's a fun fight and she just gets mad and she just wants the party to stop and Thor's not stopping. He's like, yeah, it was party. Go home, party pooper. You're a party
0: pooper. <laughs> so them hitting each other all over the map with the names of the countries on there was I screeched. It was wonderful. It's I know I've said it like a million times already, but guys, I loved this episode. <laughs>
1: The names being on the map, I think, was my favorite part of the whole fight. Like, Yeah, they had their good action in there, but you know exactly where they're fighting. And I've actually (laughs) been some of those places for really wide definitions of been there geographically, but it's just so cool knowing exactly where they are.
3: I was wondering, and I'll have to go back and watch it, the Captain Carter episode, the first episode, I think it had some maps on that was sort of like that and had names of the countries on it, but I could be mistaken. I don't know. I'll, I'll have to go back and watch it. I want to say
0: there it felt much more Indiana Jones to me, whereas here it felt more Looney Tunes. It was
3: definitely Looney Tunes. Yeah. Yeah. It started out in France. She got knocked into the UK and he scored a goal throwing <laughs> her through the gate in Stonehenge, right? That was fantastic. Right. And then she punched him over into the desert of the United States and they go over to Tahiti. So, yeah.
0: Okay. So Thor makes. Cardinal sin number one. He tells her to smile more. A little bit of advice. We women do not like hearing you should smile more. You'd be so much more pretty if you smiled. Because we hear it a lot. And it's like nobody tells guys that they'd be prettier if they smiled more. Just don't do it. You know, like Thor here. He meant well. But. You see when her powers light up there, it's like, oh, you messed up. I
3: never want to get Carol Danvers mad at me, ever, ever. So, apologizing in advance, Captain Marvel, I'm sorry for whatever I did to anger you. It wasn't intentional.
0: We find out that Darcy wants to be Cat Wrangler, intern, whatever, for Carol. She's like, big fan, love the cat, top gun. and. That's a little
3: bit of, uh, I mean, she's got her current boss right there. She is technically interning for Jane Foster right now. And then she's like, oh, I want to intern for you instead. Look, it's just proactive career choices. I can't blame her. I can't blame especially Goose, if she would know Goose. I mean, all she knows <laughs> is Goose is from Maverick, Top Gun.
0: They said that you can hit like a nuke and that your cat can eat people. <laughs>
1: That's enough right there. I would definitely cheat on my boss right in front of my boss (laughs) and say, hey, I want to go work with you and your giant people eating cats.
3: Exactly. You get it. I love the ongoing shtick within the What If series about Thor's hair.
0: Yes. Okay. When that happened, I had to make a note of it in the notes to talk about it. Because again, he does the whole like the slow motion hair thing that he did in the what if the world lost, you know, the Avengers episode, except here he lives. So back when like Avengers was coming out, there was this meme. It's like Thorial because he's worth it. And it's one of those L'Oreal hair commercials, but with Chris Hemsworth face edited in. and. It's a running joke. They mention it in the comics. So Thor, in actual Norse myth, is a redhead, which, by the way, today is apparently also National Redheads Day. So happy National Redhead Day, canonical Thor. But here he's just, you know, the god of the doll Sassoon as well as thunder.
1: But you forget he is doesn't know anything about those horse gods <laughs> who are also known for their majestic hair. I'm scared of them, so I'm not going to dare go close enough to find out.
3: I forgot about that. I saw that on the closed captioning. I don't know if I would have heard it if I didn't see it on the closed captioning, but he definitely was talking about horse gods and not Norse gods. He totally misunderstood.
1: (laughs) I just spent the entire time listening for puns in this episode because it was just set up for that beautifully, especially with Thor being so close to knowing just the everyday language of everything. So, of course, he's going to bust things out.
0: Stepping... Forward, back, something, a little bit. So I saw a post earlier today from Twitter user at Arthur underscore effect, A F F E C T, Arthur Chu, talking about how, okay, you know, the big what if moment where we see it split is Odin gave Loki back to Lafayette and Luffy's like, oh, my God, this is so great. I'm so happy to have my kid back. You see him smiling. And then they become like staunch allies, which suggests that Loki wasn't abandoned. He was just kind of missed. And if Luffy actually had him back, he would have been happy. And we could have avoided a lot of stuff if Odin hadn't kidnapped Loki. Like,
3: oof. I was going to talk about this what if moment because obviously the what if moment starts with Odin bringing back Loki to his people what made him do that was that his wife was that Frigga was that his own thought
0: forward of I think it was a whim so if we take the whole you flip a coin and its heads in this but then It could have been tails, and that splits off into its own alternate reality. If we do that, then he had the choice of either take the baby, give the baby back, or kill the baby. But, you know, let's ignore that. So it was just even odds, I think.
1: Yeah, I really liked for this how they didn't really give a reason why. It's just it happened. Who cares? I mean, obviously, we want to know why.
0: Yeah, we know that he adopts Loki because he's like, oh, this poor lost kid, and if I foster him, and you know, one day he's going to be the king of the Jotuns, then this is how we get our kingdoms to have peace. So he does it in a super underhanded, sneaky way. But if he just goes the more straightforward, hey, I found your kid, then that's a whole nother route to peace. So I think those were the two routes to peace in his mind.
3: And he just chooses a different one here. So it's all his... Decision to peace. That's the difference here.
1: I think so. I saw it really as like when you find a stray kitten walking around your house. And so, on one hand, you found the kitten. So, you just keep it and you don't try to find its home or anything. It's just you have a new cat, or you actually take the time to try to figure out where the cat
0: belongs. Okay. Both done out of the absolute goodness of your heart, but two very different outcomes potentially.
3: When I was walking Puppy Cooper yesterday, there was a dog that was following us around the entire neighborhood. Now, my walk is about four miles that I've been doing lately with him because I'm trying to tire the dog out. I mean, it's a six-month-old puppy. The puppy needs energy, not just any puppy. It's a golden retriever puppy, so it's got a lot of energy, right? So I'm walking around the neighborhood, and there's a dog that kept on coming back and forth, and it definitely had a collar on and stuff. So I'm like, okay, well, I need to get close to this dog in order to check collar for where it is and i kept on going the dog kept on following us for about two two and a half miles and at the very end of the walk i'm starting to get close one of my neighbors comes out of their house and like come here i forget the dog's name but come here and it was their dog i totally spaced out on the fact that the dog was their dog but i was thinking do i want another dog <laughs> no i need to find where this dog is i wanted the dog to be safe too so The dog might have ended up in my yard, but I was not keeping the dog.
0: All right. Last thoughts, Lauren. Okay. So I, again, loved this episode. It's just, I feel like this is going to be one of my, Oh, need to cheer up. Let me put this on shows. Well, this particular episode is anyway. Yeah. The cast was fantastic. It was just a lot of fun. The very end where, okay, well, There's the end and the very end. The end where Thor manages to talk everyone into helping him clean up after themselves. And then Frigga comes in and they're like, oh, see, we were doing a cultural exchange. And then Mjolnir comes back like bedazzled to give them away. And then there's the, the real end where Ultron and an army of Ultron bots show up. And then the face comes up and it's Jarvis with the Mind Stone. Because he has the other stones in the gauntlet and it's like, okay, so I don't know how we got here, but I'm kind of interested in finding out, is this going to be one of the episodes that we get a follow up to?
1: See, I'm instantly going to jump back and watch the rest of the episodes again that we've already seen because they really seem to hammer home in this one that their whole idea was looking at relationships So now, what are they looking at in each of the other episodes? Like, I instantly was thinking, the Doctor Strange episode, you're looking at loss. But everything else hasn't had anything jump into my mind yet, so I'm going to have to go back and see what those giant overarching themes are, and then how all of those are going to play together with SPs, and I'm giving him all the credit for this, but SPs, Agents of the Multiverse Theory.
3: Yeah, I think the going theory on the internet is calling them Guardians of the Multiverse, but I'll take... Credit for Agents of the Multiverse or give you credit for it. I think next week we're going to get a She-Hulk episode, and I think the next week we're going to get a resolution to the mess that happened at the end here. I think we're going to have some intertwinement with uh, Shuma Garoth. Is that how you say it?
1: Shuma Garoth is the only way I've ever actually heard it said.
3: So I think we've got those things to tie up. Maybe She-Hulk brings the Shuma story forward or something like that, and then you've got the Ultron thing going on. So I think we're going to get a team up at the end and they're going to go after it. Now i have been slightly spoiled as to all this, but as you found out, Chris, you can't trust anything on the internet when it deals with what if, because everything's all over the place. So I don't know if that's for sure, but I've seen She-Hulk in posters and we haven't seen She-Hulk yet. That's why I'm thinking next week we'll get She-Hulk and then we'll get the team up at the very end. So I think we're headed to that and I've been having fun in its totality thinking that we're going into a team up at the end for a resolution to a lot of the cleanup. But Lauren, you bring up the fact that we're going to get new episodes next season that might build on these episodes. I would like this to be one because we got to figure out if Darcy and Howard are going to get divorced and annulment, something like that. I would like to see the planet of the unicorns. That would be kind of cool as long as Thor doesn't, party him to death. And I would like to see Captain Marvel some more. I think this episode was supposed to showcase Captain Marvel and she's one of my favorite Avengers. So I would like to see that. Also, she was in the ending of the Loki episode as well. So uh, we'll see what all that comes up. Anyway, next week, we're going to be talking about what if episode eight And we'll see what happens then. In the meantime, we have a lot of news to cover. Stay with us. There's some important things to go over. So the first news story that we're going to talk about deals with another fandom Organization, The MCU Wiki community, there was an admin over there that published an 18-page open appeal to Marvel Studios, Kevin Feige, about keeping the Marvel television shows MCU canon. It was 18 pages. I have some excerpts to go over on it, but I want to talk about this. First of all, I realize this is a hot topic, and I want to say that we are going to be respectful to everyone in discussing the issue we're not really taking sides here but we're going to discuss the issue the letter is from a admin on the mcu Wikipedia by the username bejt and bejt is definitely personally invested in the mcu and has been for a very long time spent a lot of time with the wiki in uh designating timelines and that sort of stuff, and it is just about to embark on a whole timeline project, which E.E.J.T. talks about in the letter. I want to applaud the dedication here for somebody to put something like this together, an 18-page appeal to Marvel and the attention to detail that went into it. I wish there was a little bit more detail. We'll talk about that in a second. The letter is not contrived to be divisive, at all to the fandom like other fandoms have been recently. If you want to talk about stuff like the DCEU with the Snyderverse sort of thing with the Snyder cut of the Justice League movie and uh, the star, the entire Star Wars fandom post Disney acquisition, you got the legacy, no plan for seven, eight, nine. You have a lot of people running on there. Now, I personally have been podcasting about Marvel television shows since their inception with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in 2013. Lauren, you've been doing it since 2014. Chris, I'm guessing you've been a fan since about that time.
1: Yeah, I've been watching for that long, so I just didn't have the craftiness of things that y'all did, but I was definitely in the scene.
3: So I ran into a interview recently because I was doing some research from Iron Man, and John Favreau did a Nerdist podcast guest appearance in 2014, and he basically had a statement here that I'd Definitely want to state here a brand that is robust enough that it warrants getting a big movie without a predisposition that you are operating out of fear. And what he's talking about there is you want to be able to fund a movie that's uh, big enough for an IP, then you know it's going to be a big enough audience, has a big enough story to flush out, but that the fandom won't get upset if you take it into a different direction than was originally written into it or in a different movie, a TV show, something like that. So that was Favreau's going in position on Iron Man, not necessarily Marvel Studios. I have to have a definition of that at the time. Kevin Feige wasn't in charge of Marvel Studios at the time. He was an executive. He was an executive producer on Iron Man, but he didn't control Marvel like he does now. He was a very powerful individual, but let's face it, Marvel Studios at the time of Iron Man was on the brink of bankruptcy. If they didn't have a hit with Iron Man or didn't at least make their money back, they were done. Marvel was, it was bankrupt. It, it was all over. And he chose Iron Man, they chose Iron Man specifically for that reason that the fandoms wouldn't get too upset if they took it in a different direction. And they did reinvigorate the character of Tony Stark at the time and the Marvel universe at the time with iron man. So of that, I have a question of when does the intellectual property owner give the audience agency?
0: That is a really tough question. And if you ask 50 different people, I think you're going to get 50 different answers, right? From the standpoint of a creator, You have this vision for these characters. You have a vision for this story, and you are beholden to no one but yourself. If you start writing for other people, then it can kill your creativity. However, in stuff like Star Wars, Marvel, Game of Thrones, fans get really, really into it. And in the past, I don't know, like 15 years, I'd say the audience creator relationship has changed drastically due to social media. So you're seeing this in books, in comics, in movies, in TV, where people have more access to creators than they ever have at any point. So you get that immediate feedback and you can start crafting things to, okay, this hit, this didn't hit. But at the same time, you can get people who really have this very very passionate like almost like a feeling of ownership over an ip and i think with something as big as star wars marvel all that it's not really much of a concern like yeah they're going to take audience they're going to take audience opinions to a point because again for hollywood the bottom line is money so they're going to do overall what they think is the most profitable and that's one of the reasons that you have creators maybe not really wanting to work with marvel because there's that okay instead of your vision you have to kind of go with the audience and expectation with smaller things like tv shows web series books it's more contentious because there's a closer access to the actual direct creators and it's kind of dangerous to have that precedent where the fans can be like well i don't like this character i demand you write them out because again not every fan is going to feel that way we saw you know oh people oh they're so mad at free larson and it's like i love her i'm like pretty much everybody that i interact with loves her as captain marvel and rarely is the loudest voice the one that's actually the most numerous online it's just the loudest so as a fan i'd absolutely love to see the tv still be considered canon these are characters that i've spent so much of my life with at this point just these stories that have just grabbed me and meant so much to me but at the same time i'm a star wars fan i am used to stuff being retconned all the time even before the disney acquisition like the old expanded universe was just patch after patch after patch of people trying to fit everything in so I've made it pretty clear here that my opinion is, even if they don't say it is, I'm taking the Netflix series and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as their own alternate timelines. I'm fine with that. It's not what everyone's opinion is. Some people want it, obviously, a lot more. Some people never cared about the TV series in the first place. So... I think what the correct answer for Marvel to do is um, just keep on going the direction they're going. Once you start backtracking, things can get really, really messy. That said, I would absolutely be delighted if they determined that, hey, guess what? This is canon again.
3: Yeah, there's a lot more to unpack here, but I'll ask Chris the same question here. When does the intellectual property owner give their audience agency?
1: I mean, me being somebody who reads a ton of indie comics, it's amazing to me, especially these ones that aren't coming out every month, how we can go in there and, you know, here's what I like about this book. Here's what I don't like about this book. This is what I think is going on. I don't think this is going the way it should be going. But we as readers and viewers of the media and everything are only seeing what's been put out in public. I think the best example for me is whether you believe this or not the idea that jar jar binks was a sith right so i mean let's just take that as given you know it's funny it's a fun thing to think about but assuming that is true then all of a sudden you have people saying oh i hate this jar jar binks character get rid of him and we have no idea what they were planning on doing with the character going forward in two and three if that had been true that's something that people would have possibly come back and said yes, this is bad in one, but it sets it up for two and three. And I use that as an example because it's completely ridiculous.
3: Well, true. I actually liked the character. I think I know where George Lucas was going with that character. Originally, I liked it. I know a lot of other people didn't, but that's a great example, right? Of the audience having different opinions. So talking about opinions, in my opinion, Marvel is actually never going to come out and state whether the past shows were or were not canon. It would anger a good portion of their fan base if they said it's not canon, which they depend on for money, right? So BEJT in his letter states, quote, the scrubbing of the Marvel television content would break my heart and would make it incredibly difficult to continue devoting myself to slash loving the MCU, unquote. It kind of sums up what you were saying there, Lauren, on the issue of, of the fan base, just you anger part of the fan base and then and they leave forever. The ending to How I Met Your Mother, the ending to Chuck, I disagree with both. Now, there's an alternate ending with How I Met Your Mother, and I can relate to that fandom. The ending of Chuck, though, that still grates me just personally, right? I know other people have different opinions, just still grates me. And I've never gone back and watched it because of the ending, right? So if you get this and then you cut off any future ability to have mass reviewings of any of this stuff which might the, it might be a revenue stream for Marvel right and they're just never going to do that. Nobody's ever going to force Marvel to acknowledge one way or the other. I mean, who's going to do it and why? I just don't see it as happening and the Marvel multiverse which is upon us right now between Loki, between what if, between Doctor Strange and the multiverse coming up here it might explain uh, how marvel thinks of where they're going in the future if they want to combine stuff or maybe not either way but it's a possibility at this point going forward and as you guys mentioned there's just plenty of examples there's the dc arrowverse with the crisis event that came in and, and you had the dc multiverse actually explained for one time everything was brought together within the dc properties that were on screen absolutely everything And they brought it together, and they explained it, and then they went their separate ways after that. Star Trek, with the reboots, they've had their own issues. You mentioned Star Wars, so there's plenty of examples out there. Marvel hasn't had a defining moment of what they're going to do in the future yet. And I would think eventually, I don't know when it's going to be, 20 or 30 years, they're going to reboot all this stuff. Because Disney wants to make money. and Just like they're rebooting Swiss Family Robinson or anything else out there, they're probably going to do that. Okay, here's. Another thought I had. If Marvel does come out and say anything, they're going to stick to where the money lies. Just like you said, Lauren, they're going to stick to the movies because that's where the money is and not the TV shows. If they have their druthers, they're going to have both. But if they have to choose one, they're going to choose the movies over the television shows. But again, why bite the hand that feeds you? So I just don't think they're going to do that. Definitely the Marvel fandom has become deeply personal to a lot of people. And you were talking about that a little bit, Lauren. I think. Part of it is people like us actually have a voice now. We have had this podcast since 2013. We've had a voice. We've had a chance to get our opinions out there to anybody that wants to listen to them. And the fandom is like that. The MCU wiki is like that, right? Uh, Twitter is like that. So the opinions get out there. And then that gets back to my question. When, as an IP owner, do you give the fans agency in deciding where everything goes? Also, finally, I want to say a lot of this uncertainty right now that we're experiencing is probably where the MCU is right at this moment. It's a pivotal moment in the MCU following the closure of phase three, going into phase four post endgame. There's a lot of unknowns. So with that many unknowns, people are trying to grasp for firm facts of what's Going on, and the fandoms have been in there. Now, a couple of general trends and comments on the letter. We haven't really talked about the letter specifically yet. Canon, as it relates to the MCU, is actually never defined in the letter. What does that mean? So, the wiki has actually banned the use of Canon right now. So, I don't think they have a definition over in the MCU wiki. But the MCU is technically Earth 199999. But what does that mean? What's included that what's not is that the sacred timeline is the sacred timeline, something else. I don't know. Also the facts in the letter are not clearly stated. The article quotes would stand better if they are sourced. I have no idea where the quotes are coming from. There's allusions to different producers making statements at different times, but it's never said this statement was made by this person at this time. So I couldn't go back and do any fact checking there. And not to say that it's wrong. I'm just saying that I, couldn't use the letter to go back and do that and would take some more research on it. I spent a couple of days going through this 18 pages to try to find out what was going on. So, things like casting changes and on screen character redesigns like Hulk and Thanos and Abomination were brought up in the letter. Also, I think there's an assumption that the shows have been canonized. So, whatever canon means, I don't think that's ever been stated that these shows have been canon. I could be wrong there. But I don't think they have been. So that would be cool to actually get those quotes and source that. And um, I would say that all of this has been muddied by the fact that several different Marvel producers and executives and directors have made comments that may or may not be where Kevin Feige wants to go as the MCU. So all in all, what is the letter talking about? There was Incidents, recent incidents over the past year that have caused increased concerns. There's Coulson's history. There's the blade casting, Cottonmouth versus Blade. You know, with with uh, Ollie there. You have Marvel's Agents of Shield season six and its time setting. We talked about that extensively on this podcast between Infinity War, Runaways season three. Where did all this stuff take place? You know, if it is indeed MCU canon. Where was it what, during the snap? Why did they reference the snap or not reference the snap? There is a 2019 quote from Kevin Feige that the quote wasn't given in the article, but it was basically a um, timeline that would connect back and forth with the films, and it was falsely run by sites, according to the article here. We talked extensively about the dark Darkhold. The dark Darkhold's been a big thing. It has shown up in three different properties now, and what does that mean? the dark hold and it's supposedly the same book or different books i don't know we talked on this podcast about legion and legion is accepted as not being part of the canon well why i don't know if that's canon or not again i don't know what the definition of canon is we also covered the inhumans largely people just want to forget the inhumans so they say okay it's not canon because it's not connected to anything okay So are you just choosing to say it's not canon because you don't like it? I think the definition, I mean, I hate to be a a stickler here, but if you're going to canonize some and not the others, you know, what is your rationale? What's the reason? What's the criteria, right? Let's set some criteria and then go from there.
0: Yeah. Technically aspects of the star Wars holiday special are canon in star Wars. It's canon as it refers to a big property that a lot of people work on that has been going on for a very long time. Canon is whatever the writers of the next thing want to take from the previous things. The older I've gotten, the less I've cared about what counts as canon and what doesn't, because it doesn't matter if it's canon or not. The stories that I liked are still all there. I still like what I like. Yeah, it's annoying when, you know, a character's origin is changed or something like that but the question is are you still having fun with it and some people will not have fun if the tv stuff is not included in source material that we can draw from going forward and i get that however that source material is always going to be there i'm going to go back and re-watch agents of shield and i'm going to love it just as much I say just as much as I did at first, I was only okay with it at first. And then the end of season one hit and I was like, Oh no, I really love this. But life is really short. You only have so much bandwidth in your life. So you kind of have to pick and choose. I'm not saying whatever you pick and choose is the right thing or the wrong thing. It's just pick and choose what's best for you. It's pretty much what I think. And
3: I was going to get there at the end here, but I completely agree with you. Chris, do you have anything to say on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, let's look at just a really classic Marvel example from the comics. How many times have they flipped back and forth on whether it was Jean Grey or somebody controlling Jean Grey who just completely destroyed a planet of broccoli people?
0: How many times has Xavier's paralysis, like how many different variations are there on that? You know, like, oh, the devil did it. Canon, as it applies to comics, has always been an extremely nebulous term. And I think that only really gets more complicated. Well, in some ways, it's less complicated with the movies because there's much less of a body to draw from. But there's enough Marvel stuff out there now that it's starting to get more complicated. So. The answer is shrug. The answer is whatever's best for you. If this petition interests you, it's going to be linked in the show notes. You can go take a look at the letter. And again, thank you to Marvel, the MCU wiki for all that you do, because God knows I've used your site enough for either research for this show or for fanfic.
3: I use it every week for the show to find out Twitter accounts for the creative team and stuff. So yeah, I, I use it all the time. Thank you guys very much for you, do. There's there's one final thing that I want to state that I found a little funny in here. Talking about alternate universes or multi-universes, a bejt wanted to state that the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is not, quote, what if Phil Coulson were resurrected, <laughs> unquote. So I just thought that was kind of a, a neat way to <laughs> look at the entirety of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But what if it was, though? Yeah, right. It was, but it was still seven, eight seasons of fun, right?
0: Yeah. Somebody Photoshop the Watcher into just random scenes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. That would be awesome. That would be awesome.
3: Okay. Uh, I think we've had our say here. Please, listener, if you have something to say about Marvel Television Shows being MCU Canon, or go read the 18 pages yourself and uh, get back with us. We will play your comments or read your comments on a future show. So the next news story that I want to get into is the next MCU movie that's coming out in theaters is Eternals. And it was slated with a PG-13 rating because, quote, fantastic violence and action, no big deal, some language, okay, and brief sexuality, which after Disney's acquisition of the MCU, they had poop food so this is new for disney to bring in brief sexuality into an mcu property
0: well that's not technically true anything beyond kissing counts as brief sexuality by the mpaa there's a really really good documentary called this film is not yet rated which goes into how arbitrary the mpaa's ratings are and it's infuriating. It is so infuriating. And one of the things that I'm seeing for this is like, oh, does that brief sexuality mean... Okay, so it could be Icarus and Cersei making kissy faces at each other. It could be Kit Harrington, Dane Whitman, and Cersei kissing each other. It could be Angelina Jolie's character, Thena. Having kissy times with the deviant crow, who is a love interest in the comics. And it could also be referring to the on screen kiss between Phaistos, played by Brian Tyree Henry, and his husband. Because, hey, Eternals is like, we're doing the first outright queer characters who aren't just, oh, here's a line that can be dropped in the international releases. So could it be any of those in particular? Yeah, could it be all of those. Yeah. MPAA is crappy. I'm going to say crappy. And uh we'll see when it comes to that. I am very glad that we are getting an on-screen queer couple that is more than just a throwaway line. And I'm really happy that one of the people in that couple is Brian Tyree Henry who I really 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 like. That's Really, all I got to say about that.
1: One of the things that really has gotten me into comics is just the amount of representation people can get. And unfortunately, for a lot of the history there, it had to be fans reading between the lines of things, whether because they were trying to find somebody that could represent them, or because you had writers who were very blatantly, in some cases, slipping things in. As much as they were able to because of whatever governing body was watching what they were writing. And the fact that we're getting a super outright in-your-face, undeniable LGBTQ couple in here, I think is a wonderful thing. And it should have happened earlier, but you know, it's happening now, and that's the important part.
0: Yeah, progress is always a really slow, it's a slower march than you'd like. You go from Adventure Time being, oh my god, I can't believe they did that back in like, what was it, like 2011, 2012, when they confirmed that Marceline and Bubblegum were dating, all the way to now you actually have trans and non-binary characters, characters who are in same-sex relationships, in kids shows, and in adult shows, representation... Is necessary. People need to see people who look like them, who act like them in media. I mean, God knows I didn't have, I didn't have, there weren't really any queer characters when I was a kid. And there definitely weren't very many Latina characters when I was a kid, especially characters who weren't like the maid. So it's been thrilling in my lifetime to see just all this progress being made. And uh, it's a small reason why I'm happy for Eternals, but it is a reason. I'm looking
3: forward to watching the Eternals and everything out about it just excites me more. So, yay, Eternals. Talking about watching MCU movies, I have yet to see Shang-Chi. And I have just now, yesterday, figured out when I will be able to see it. Because yesterday, Disney announced that they're going to have their first ever Disney Plus Day on Friday, November 12th, 2021. Along with the release, the streaming release of Shang-Chi, and they haven't differentiated whether it's going to be free or it's going to be the premium $30, so we'll see about that. I will pay the money for it if it comes out then. So it will be Shang-Chi. It will also be the streaming premiere of the Jungle Cruise movie that came out this past summer, so I'll be able to watch that as well. As a MCU Disney Plus special, basically, a special celebrating the MCU. And that will be the week after Eternals comes out in theaters, which I probably won't see in the theaters. I'll just be transparent about that. But it will also be just a couple weeks before Hawkeye comes out. And we'll probably get more information on that special when it comes out of what's upcoming in the MCU and possibly dates. Maybe fill out some of those titles for phase four or phase five, whatever, 2024, the movie, the four movies that they put out in 2024. So there's a lot that is coming out, but it's the first ever Disney Plus day. It's not a Wednesday. It's on a Friday, and it's a couple of weeks before the American four-day holiday, which is called Thanksgiving here. So that'll be fun when it comes out. Is there anything I missed from there, Chris, that you noticed? We do have She-Hulk,
1: which... Is at least going to be getting toward the end of production there, and that's something I've been looking forward to for a long time. I really have loved the fourth wall breaking of Deadpool, and She-Hulk gets kind of that same vibe going. So you get a little bit of a more family-friendly way to present that, but all the insanity that just comes with being able to break the fourth wall.
0: Apparently, according to this article, Hawkeye, Ms. Marvel, and She-Hulk have all completed their production, so yay! And Moon Knight is nearing the end of filming. I'm hoping that we'll get a lot of first looks during that special. And I'm just, y'all, I'm so happy. There's just so much stuff coming out for me to enjoy. And talking about stuff that we've enjoyed, let's talk about
3: WandaVision and all the great <laughs> wins that it didn't have in the Emmys. So it had 23 <laughs> nominations. We talked about it before. It had three wins, but they were the creative and they got no hard wins. Also, Don Cheadle did not win over in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So there was a lot of disappointment that was expressed in social media, particularly on Twitter. I, in the show notes, have linked several different articles. I don't have time. We don't have time to go over all of the great memes and videos that were posted, directed towards the Emmys on uh, fandom thinking that they had been pulled in just to increase ratings only to be shut down completely. Now, in the defense of the winners, there was a lot of great streaming content that was out there for the Emmys this year. And WandaVision faced some stiff competition. But to be completely shut out for any of the main Emmys, I really didn't come away with a good taste in my mouth about that because I thought, have gotten one or two, but it didn't get any. And it probably will be one of the most rewatched series ever when it comes to streaming.
0: So I'm not too pressed about this award ceremonies doesn't matter what award it is. They're always kind of political. So you can always sort of tell who's going to be the winner just based on public opinion at the time. You can almost always count on like Pixar winning for best picture at the Oscars because that's like the only animation that the people who are voting have heard of and i kind of didn't figure that it was going to win It was like okay anything they win is a bonus to me i will say that having them be nominated is really cool especially for that many awards it feels kind of like when the lord of the rings movies were getting nominated back in the early 2000s like You know it's not going to win, at least until Return of the King swept everything, because everyone felt bad for not giving the other ones anything. But it's cool that it's made a big enough splash that they can't pretend that it didn't happen.
1: I care about the wins here as much as I care about wins in podcasting awards, which is not (laughs) very much. But honestly, I think a lot of the voters probably didn't really watch Enough WandaVision to get a good opinion. They probably saw the beginning, had no idea what was going on, and said, All right, I'm going to go watch something else where I'm just more used to the format.
0: The thing that I'm more pissed about is uh, the lack of wins for Pose, which just came to an end, was fantastic. The costumes were great. The acting was great. The story was great. It had just so many people of color and so many trans people and non binary people in the cast. And it got shut out for the crown, which. Granted, I haven't watched, so I'm being unfair, but I really wanted Post to win something.
3: For the record, I haven't watched any award show in the past
0: two decades because I just... I just like seeing the pretty, pretty outfits that people wear, which, by the way, if you look up the outfits that the WandaVision cast was wearing, they all look great. But Katherine Hahn is wearing like a WWE heavyweight sized belt. She pulls it off, but like, wow.
3: Yeah, I was looking at that because it came up in our feed on the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Twitter because everybody we follow and stuff. So, yeah, I was seeing that, but I don't watch it for the fashion or anything. I mean, I'm a dude. I wear t shirts, you know, no big
0: deal. Oh, so do I. I just, I just really love all the pretty, it's like art. It's just another form of art to me. It is. Okay.
1: Fair enough. It's cool to see it, but that's what Twitter the next day is for.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And if you just watch the tag instead of the thing, you find all the memes. And we did. hmm So
3: there is uh, Chris and I podcasted. We did an episode on the Hulu series, Modoc, which is going to go into season two. There is another series over on Hulu right now that just got a premiere date, which is Hit Monkey. It's coming out November 17th on Hulu. We all watched the trailer and I would definitely have to say this is not going to be MCU canon, but I don't know. We'll see how this pans out. I know MODOK was kind of fun in the end, but I don't know if Hitmonkey is going to receive the same fun or not. Lauren, what do you think?
0: So I'm not the biggest fan of the animation that dropped in the trailer. It's a bit jerky, kind of. It feels like something that was done in like on new grounds or something to me. I mean, it's better than that, obviously, but you know, after what if it's like, okay, this is a completely different category. The voice acting sounds good. It does look like it's going to be pretty funny. And I mean, I'm going to watch it.
1: I don't know anything about Hitmonkey at all. Like, I kind of thought it was a joke when I heard that name
0: the entire time.
1: That's how much I don't know. But yeah, I mean, this looks, if nothing else, this looks like it's going to be a bunch of mindless fun. I'm going to sit there and kind of wonder how much of it changed after they stopped with the whole like Modoc portion of the universe and having all those things tied together. Because, I mean, your animation style there is not the same at all. Did they do that before? Did they change it afterwards? I don't know.
3: Yeah, I don't know.
1: But also with the multiverses happening, anything is possible.
3: Yeah, hey, we're not going to get the team up over on Hulu anyway, so it is what it is. I think this will go a season or two and then probably drop. Just my opinion. Although I've been wrong before, as has been documented on this podcast many, many times. As
1: long <laughs> as somewhere we get the universe where everybody has a beard, I'm good.
3: <laughs> That'll be coming for me later on. Okay, so there's a new spot to find the One-Shot Agent Carter over on Disney+. Plus. The link will be in the show notes. And probably more importantly is Chloe Bennett finally came out on her Instagram stories. I actually watched the stories. They're probably not going to be available when this comes out. But there's a comic book resources article that I quoted that basically has everything in that she said. She is not. She does not have anything to do with secret invasion she doesn't even know what it is or she claims she doesn't even know what it is and she was getting approached in inappropriate places she mentioned the tampon aisle at target she said okay this has to stop i think that was her indication of i need to say something so she thought it was just going to go away on its own it didn't the rumors were persisting i think a lot of it is because that topic that we discussed before about mcu and agents of shield actually being in the mcu as canon and stuff like that so she came out and said nope that's not it there was also mitigating circumstances which she did not state in her story about the live action powerpuff girls that she backed out of after the first pilot and the reasons stated were for another project so everybody's saying oh the other project has to be that marvel i finally asked her back so that still could be the case. I'm not going to say it's not, but she has definitively said it is not secret evasion.
0: I feel like the other project was anything that wasn't that script.
3: That's what I said at the time. Yeah. I gotta go with you there.
0: So she also in there,
3: by the way, said that she was and white after labor day and she was okay with that.
1: <laughs> I never understood that anyway.
0: Yeah. It's sort of, If you want a good time, look up the straw hat riots in the United States in like the 1800s. It was this whole thing that you weren't supposed to wear straw boater hats after a certain day. And it got so bad that people were like beating each other up in the street about it. It's a whole thing. There's a dollop episode on it. Straw hat riots. Fashion is ridiculous. For
3: the record, I don't think there's been a single Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode that Lauren and I have been on that I have not learned something new from Lauren.
0: Look, I am nothing if not a font of useless information. You should know this by now.
3: And you're able to verbalize it. All right. So you guys ready to talk about some feedback?
1: Yes. Let's do it.
3: Over on Twitter, we asked, describe this week's what if official episode. What if Thor were an only child in one word? Go. Same thing we did last week. Well, we got a response from at Mr. Paracletes, which basically summed the whole thing up, which was a gift saying, Bueller, <laughs> Bueller, Bueller. Yeah, there you go. Bueller. Uh, that's his one word. Bueller. I, you know, yeah. Bueller, Paris Bueller's stays off. Yeah. Yeah. If you, Chris, if you had to sum it up in one word, would you choose Bueller or would you go with something else?
1: Um, Bueller's a good one. I was trying to think of something as we were going through that little transition there, and (laughs) I can't think of anything that I think does this one
0: justice. I do. Partay with the A and several Y's.
3: (laughs) There you go. Well, Chris, if you think of something, just tweet us back and we'll talk about it next episode. How about that? I will. Okay. There was also a sign posted to us a a uh, picture posted to us by at Mr. Paracletes. What if Ronan won the dance off? I would pay to see that. It would be fun to see, right? But I don't oh, think yeah. it would have changed anything in the end. Chris, who do you think would have won? I mean,
1: obviously, Star-Lord is going to win. But look at all the craziness we have going on in What If already. You can have the weirdest little thing just set off a giant chain reaction <laughs> that nobody ever expected
0: yeah, what if Ronan the accuser, instead of going into accusing, was enrolled in like a dance school as a kid? So
3: I was thinking you guys ever ever see that movie Blast from the Past? Yes, no. <laughs> it's another fun movie for you to watch. So Blast from the Past, I'll skip the long description, but they end up in a bomb shelter for like thirty years. so this dude grows up in the bomb shelter. Well, the mom every day, her time with her son, it's not schoolwork. It's to teach him how to dance. So he comes out and he knows how to dance. So maybe Ronan's mother spent 20 or 30 years teaching him how
0: to dance.
1: I like that theory.
0: Maybe the Cree empire became the Cree empire because of dance offs. So, you know what, guys, I think at this point in time, we need
3: to get our dancing shoes on and we need to go on to the strip and we need to party. What a marathon podcast recording, but I had fun the entire time. I hope you guys did, too. And thank you, listener, for sticking with us for the entire time.
0: Thank you so much for sticking with us for all of that. And thank you. Just thank you for being you.
3: And Chris, I want to say, first of all, thank you for signing up to come on board tonight, even though you didn't know it was going to be this long of a marathon recording. Thank you for being with us this entire time. I'm guessing you're probably hungry. So, where can people find you if they want to listen to you on another podcast?
1: Well, the easy answer would be follow me to the kitchen. But beyond that, you can head on over to playcomics.com where you can either hear me talk about a video game that's based on a comic and how well that sticks to that source material, which you may or may not be able to hear one of my fellow wonderful co-hosts here on an episode or two or you know, we'll see how high people can count. Or you can hear me talking to creators about their cool things, such as sometime in the next coming weeks, talking to Jay Editon about the Captain America story going on in the new Marvel Infinity comics that are available basically exclusively on your phone. But the format works so beautifully.
3: And, you know, Chris, I think next time we got to talk about those rumors about the next uh, Marvel vs. Capcom.
1: Oh, yes, Uh, I am all over that. And
3: we need to
1: bring Ruby Heart out into just another game in general.
3: Sounds good. Until next time, I'm director of the show, SP.
0: I'm Agent Lauren.
3: And I'm consultant Chris. See everybody next time. Bye.
2: Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information in other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of Shield, or GunnaGeek. Agents of Shield is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios and ABC. No infringement is intended.
3: Hey, Lauren. Hey. How's it going?
0: All right. Good. Good. Listening to a wrestling podcast. I forgot to listen to this week's Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, okay. Well, it's
3: a good thing you were there when you recorded it, so you might have some semblance <laughs> of what you said.
1: Yay, I'm finally here.
3: Yo, finally. Jeez, dude. Gosh. It' took long enough. I know. Didn't even know if, like, we were gonna freaking even do this.
1: I'm gonna blame it on traffic.
3: <laughs> okay. Because
1: why not? Sure. How was your week? Um, it has been a long week today.
3: Just today? Yeah. Oh, uh, are you good to go?
1: Oh yeah. No, we're fine.
3: We're fine. We
1: as a group are. I am good.
3: Okay. And is there somebody else there with you that is also going to be on the podcast? Maybe. Oh, it's my oppa. Huh. Aww. Did you need the oppa while you watched the episode? No, I was good without him. <laughs> okay. I know there was some concern about that on Twitter.
1: Well, I had spent the entire day getting absolutely no spoilers. So I didn't know if I was going to need him or not.
3: (laughs) Well, I didn't either. I just retweeted the tweet from AC herself saying, yeah, I think we're going to be good this week. I don't know if I trust her, though. I mean, I know she was kind of right this week, but I don't know if I trust her. I mean, she's had some. eh. That's some issues here. We'll see.
1: Yep, I've kicked my Thor out of the stream, so we have no danger of any kind of interference with the electrical stuff.
3: Took Cooper on a four and a half mile walk. <laughs> He's supposedly tired out, but his mom is home tonight, so she could take care of him.
1: Lauren, I don't know if you know this, but my Thor is a cat who likes to chew on cords.
0: Oh, that's very... I mean, I was going to say that's very good, but the cat shouldn't chew on cords. My favorite time
1: was when I was holding him, petting him, telling him he was a good boy. And while I'm doing that, he bit through my headphone cord.
0: That's a cat. I know
3: you've had your issues with uh, cats on plugging cords.
0: Yeah, Pike has done that a few times. I think Fatty did it once. He panicked and got tangled up and broke uh, my second to last set of headphones.
3: Michelle had to buy a new set of headphones because her cat, chewed through i think it was her cat chewed through the the headphone cord so she got the same headphones that i'm wearing right now so she's been yeah. very happy with them since i need but, to
0: get new cups for mine
3: oh i don't yeah. know they're a bit battered watched uh, better podcasting but when i was at the lake a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. i took my travel headphones out and the headphones it was completely disintegrated the Ugh. cups were so I just put it back in the bag and then used a reserve set of headphones and then bought pads that met me at home when I got home. And I just put them on this week. So yeah, yeah. they're all good. Just saw a meme. Let's see if I can find it again. Dazed and Confused was released in 1993 and set to 1976. A comparable movie today would be about the graduating class of 2005.
0: Thanks. That's I hate when it. I graduated. That's when I was one year shy of graduating college. Uh, I hate, I hate this. I hate time. Why is this happening?
3: Me more than you guys. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, my niece, she's going to be four months old in a little less than a week. Oh, that's right. Yeah. She's just, oh, I love her so much. She's just getting bigger and just more awesome and pretty and happy by the day. And it's just like, ah, I love this baby.
3: It's going to ask about your puppy. How's the puppy doing?
0: Fulton's Okay. So he's having an allergic reaction right now for the past week. He's had to wear boots because he's been licking his feet raw. Oh, so he's on Benadryl and he has to wear boots and he hates the boots because he already has like motor issues and then you add the boots in and he's like flopping around like a weird duck. Oh yeah. And
3: you have hardwood floors too, right?
0: Yeah. Ugh. But no, the little boots they're they're good. They
3: Okay.
0: Yeah, they they're rubberized soles and honestly, I wanted to get him a pair anyway because he doesn't like the feel of wet grass on his feet. So since we're getting ready to be in the part of the year where it's raining more, I got those for his feet and I'm going to get him a little like either get or make him a little like raincoat. Mm. I say little. The dog's like 77 pounds. But yeah, no, he's doing pretty good. Otherwise, he's been (laughs) we were napping together earlier today. So he's such a good dog. And his trainer, we had to take him to the vet for a checkup, just, you know, get his meds refilled and stuff. So his trainer came with us since she's known him his entire life and knows his medical records and could help us transport him so we know what to expect. And she's like, oh, my God, he looks so calm. He's not freaking out anywhere near as much as he would previously. He's doing so well and like, It's like, oh, I, since I see him every day, I forget that, like, apparently he, you can tell that he's, you know, he's putting on some weight. He's much calmer. He's much more comfortable. And it's like, oh, that's very good. Cool. He and Pike are, Pike is getting braver and uh, is approaching him lately. Tried to steal Fulton's food yesterday.
3: (laughs) A cat stealing the dog's food? That's interesting.
0: Well, Fulton's not going to fight back i mean yes he outweighs pike by like seven times but pike is a little bastard and fulton is very very gentle
3: so does fulton eat whenever he wants to
0: no he gets fed twice a day
3: okay yeah and pike is stealing the food
0: yeah pike okay nominally he's meal fed we feed him three times a day because he was freaking out in the middle of the day if you didn't feed him. But he'll eat some of it and then back off and then eat some and back off. So it's sort of, it's like half meal feeding, half free feeding.
3: I have to worry about Cooper not liking getting wet because bone retriever and When I was at the lake, he decided, "Oh, cool lake," and you know, just walked in it and everything. So
0: yeah, Fulton's a lab; he's supposed to like water and getting wet. And he's like, "No, this I don't like this texture."
3: And we walked in the rain two days this week, so he was fine. Uh, I'm wondering because he hasn't seen it yet. I'm wondering how the snow is going to go with him. So that's coming up in the next couple of months. Whether oh, that's
1: got to be fun.
3: Yeah, so some dogs freak out about it. Some dogs are like, this is the coolest thing ever because it's like frozen water everywhere. He does like ice cubes. So if he figures oh. out it's like ice cubes, then everything should be fine.
0: My friend Mary's dogs love ice cubes. Fulton likes them okay.
3: It's a snack. It's like a calorie-free snack. You give them a yeah. crunch it. and
0: they, they like the crunch.
3: Yeah, especially if they're teething, which he is. So. Also, she was in the ending of the Loki episode as well. So uh, we'll see what all that comes up. Anyway, next week, we're going to be talking about what if episode eight and we'll see what happens then. In the meantime, we have a lot of news to cover. Stay with us. There's some important things to go over.
1: You guys got to hear Thor fighting. (laughs) I don't know who he was fighting with, but he was definitely part of it.
0: He was in the spirit. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2021.